Good evening and welcome to a raw introduction of the sages among us. I'm Holly Grimaldi Flores, your host for tonight. And I am here with my guest, Jeff Wenzel from, uh, well, from, we're going to learn all about where from. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jeff and then we'll be talking with him. Uh, Jeff Wenzel was employed 31 years with Mattel Toys as the National Sales Vice President, Managing Regional Sales Director throughout the United States and responsible for over $200 million in U.S. sales. That's a lot of Barbies. Subsequent to that, he also served as Vice President of Sales from 2001-2012 for America Pacific Container Line, managing and arranging ocean container and air shipments from Southeast Asia for the United States companies that import consumer goods. Another topic we could talk about for quite some time. He retired in 2012 and since then has done so much work in the nonprofit world. He managed the Polio Plus campaign for Nevada City Rotary, overseeing the campaign for all five clubs from 2002 to 2004. In his capacity as program director for Nevada City Rotary from 2003 to 2016, he was responsible for scheduling a multitude of programs, inviting notable community leaders to share their expertise and experience with the membership. Jeff's a graduate of the University of Southern California, USC, go Trojans, in business administration. He enjoys spending time with his children and grandchildren, New York theater, cross-country trips, and all kinds of food. And I am going to uh, welcome Jeff. Oh, hey. good evening. How hey. are you doing? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Great. Well, uh, that kind of sums up Jeff in a really tight ball and um, makes me ask so many more questions than I have actually written down, Jeff. But I really want to start with how you ended up um, in Nevada County. Tell us a little bit about your background. Okay. Well, number number one, I was born in Brooklyn in 1942. Um we lived with my grandparents, who were both uh, Orthodox Jews, uh, who emigrated first generation from Lithuania. Um, and I loved my grandfather very, very much. We, our parents, my parents, we lived upstairs above his uh, butcher shop, and I loved to watch wrestling with him all the time, and he was great, and I miss, miss him dearly. Uh, we were in the, in Brooklyn until uh, to the thought we were there until <clears throat> excuse me going all the way back until the uh, until I was seven years old and then we drove cross country and settled settled in Los Angeles and I was uh, in school long enough in Brooklyn uh, through the second grade that they put me in a special speech class in Los Angeles because not many people had moved from the New York area, and so they thought I had a speech impediment, but basically what it was was a Brooklyn accent. I love it. But I didn't. that didn't last very long. As I grew older, it, it, it went away, but there are still some words that people can could identify. Um, and then when we moved to Los Angeles, I uh, went through high, well, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, high school, and after high school, I started uh, college, Santa Monica City College, and uh, succeeded in uh, flunking out the first year and uh, living with two friends in an apartment and had a tremendous amount of bills. So I ended up moving back in with my parents in the San Francisco Bay Area. 
And fortunately, they they took me back, even though I came with a lot of telephone bills. Um, And then I lived there and went to College of Marin. And uh, that's where I met my wife, Lynn, who we've been married now almost 58 years this June. And uh, it was like a spontaneous lightning rod that went between the two of us. It was like instantaneous. And so my interest was mainly in her, not so much in the classes that we were taking. (laughs) Um, As a result, her A average went down to a a B minus. Um, Her father, uh, who was one of my, how should I say, uh, role models, he was a colonel in army intelligence and uh, after I succeeded in reducing uh, uh, Lynn, my wife's uh, grades, uh, he banned me from seeing her. And uh, he was a commander of reserve unit and just wanted her to, to uh, date lawyers and doctors and accountants. I didn't qualify for any of those except I was a college dropout. <laughs> so my only option was to go into the Army Reserves, which I did. I spent six months at Fort Ord. And asked, while I was there, I went to supply school. And in supply school, I ended up being an honor student, and I received the lighter. Well, once that occurred, I was my father-in-law's joy because he was the one that was responsible for me being with my wife, Lynn. And, of course, you know, uh, how should I say, being in a career who was a career, obviously, a military man, thought that was really, really great. So uh, I then moved back to L.A., and uh, Lynn came down with me, and I went to work for Mattel Toys in 1964, and we had our first child uh, at the beginning of our marriage, very little money, and I started working at Mattel as a uh, in the factory expediting uh, carrots to the Bugs Bunny assembly line because Mattel, which is at that point was located in Los Angeles, had um, all manufacturing done there. So I would have to get the carrots from the receiving dock to the production line so they didn't have to shut down the production line. That's a very important role, Joe. Yes, and it was my my mother was very excited because I had to wear a tie when I went to work. Um, so from there, I uh, elevated over the 31 years. I was in manufacturing for the first six or seven. Uh, then I went into sales administration and then progressed into uh, sales. And I then relocated with Lynn and our children to, <clears throat> to New York in, 19, in 1972 where I was headquartered in uh, Mattel's Eastern headquarters in in Manhattan. And we lived in New Jersey until 1995 when I was downsized Mattel and we, we came out and lived in Berkeley. And I had the fortunate uh, situation where Another vice president at Mattel, who was downsized previously, uh, was vice president of a company called Spectrum Holbright, which did um, 
games like uh, Star Wars and so on, and there were there were video games. And I went to work there, and uh, that lasted a couple of years. And then I went to work for Eden, who manufactured uh, Madeline, Peter Rabbit, and a lot of the licensed toys. And I was there for about seven years, and then uh, they closed down. And then I went into the freight forwarding business, which you had mentioned previously. Um, as, as, as regarding my role models, when I was at Mattel for 31 years, I worked for uh, the eventually the uh, executive vice president of sales, but I worked for him in multiple positions prior to being um, elevated myself and, and promoted, and it was it was a it was a great relationship that we had, and he was a great mentor. So uh, when yeah, <laughs> I'm going to ask the questions, Jeff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Um, so you were talking about your role models. He was one, your grandfather, obviously another. And before we talk about how you got into Nevada County, did either of them have that philanthropic side to them? Did you, or did you always know that when you weren't creating a living that you would want to be giving back? Yes. My father-in-law, Ralph Schallenberger, he was a very giving person. In fact, I um, learned more from him. Uh, than I really did from anyone uh, because Lynn, my wife, came from a child-centered family, which was great. I didn't have that. So I gravitated and spent holidays with my in-laws, uh, Ralph Schallenberger and uh, Roberta, his wife, and we would go on vacations together. And But he was always, he was always a giving person in a restaurant they would ask, he was asked the waitress's name. He was very friendly. He would always give. If somebody needed money, he would loan them money. Uh, but he would also be there as, as a friend. He was a very gregarious individual uh, and a lot of fun to be with. And that's why we spent vacations together, which is quite unusual to go on vacation with your uh, in-laws. Right. It's nice when you can combine that relationship of a parent, really, in-law, and then um, to have not only a mentor but a friend. This is The Sages Among Us. I'm Holly Grimaldi-Flores, and my guest tonight is Jeff Wenzel. And, Jeff, now you've been East Coast, West Coast, West Coast, East Coast, made your way up the coast, and somehow from Berkeley you made it to Nevada County. Tell us about that. Okay. Uh, we came up to Nevada County in 1998. Okay, my brother had rented a house in uh, Lake Wildwood. And he was, um, again, he was, we were working in the freight forwarding business together and he, he could work from anywhere. So we decided to come up for a weekend. I came up with Lynn and Lynn's family, her ancestors uh, were here in Nevada City in the 1800s. And uh, her, one of her great uncles, Moses Schallenberger was part of the Stephen Townsend Murphy party which preceded the Donner Party, and there's a monument to Moses Schallenberger up on Route 80 where they have the museum and the big monument for the, uh, Donner, for the Donner Party. So basically, I, as soon as we got off 49 or 20 and drove down Broad Street, I fell in love 
with it. It was just fantastic. So different than Berkeley, so beautiful, so quiet. So it was on a Friday night we came up, and we just decided for the heck of it just to look at for, for, at some, for some houses with uh, Mimi Simmons. And so we looked, and we looked at some houses. And then we got home that night, Saturday night, and we saw one house that day that we really, really loved on Airport Road in Nevada City. So we called Mimi back that night, went back to look at the house first thing in the morning, and we bought it that afternoon. Wow. Uh, That's yeah. love at first sight. Yeah. And we absolutely, unfortunately, my father and I was able to loan us some money for the down payment. And we stayed in Berkeley and rented it for two years. And then the company I was working for, Eden, was paying for an office for me in Oakland. And they were located in New Jersey, and they were paying $1,000 a month. So I convinced them that it would be much more economical for them, uh, for me, to move uh, into the house that we bought in Nevada City because it had its own office. And I could save them $1,000 a month and fly out of Sacramento because I had to get to New Jersey uh, for business trips. Perfect. So, and, and that's it. And in the cemetery, the unendowed cemetery, when you go up Red Dog Road, there's a family plot um, going back to the 1850s uh, with her, her father's buried there, her mother's buried there, along with uh, her ancestors. That's so that's so um, wonderful that you have roots that go that far back and then have your most also your recent history. So let's talk a little bit about the way that you give to this community and uh, the fact that you found Nevada County turned out to be quite a gift for them. It sounds like you started out in Rotary. Is that yes, I did. I did. And actually, Phil Rubel uh, um, sponsored me to, to join Rotary. And we, when we moved up, <clears throat> excuse me, when we moved up here, we knew no one uh, except Mimi Simmons and, of course, Phil's her husband. So anyway, and Phil was in the Nevada City Rotary Club. So he introduced me or induct, uh, had me inducted into the club. And uh, Pierce Boyer was then the president. And he thought a good thing for me to for me to get into the uh, whole rotary world uh, was to become the Rotary Plus representative for, from our club. As it turned out, because of my management and background, where the other clubs mostly were small business owners, uh, I was then the lead or the uh, the head of Polio, Polio Plus. And we would July 4th, we would go down um, Broad Street with uh, big uh, plas- uh, paper cups that we got from the uh, the cinemas, uh, Sierra Cinemas, and collected money, and we collected like three or four thousand dollars, and we gave out lollipops to the kids, and it was a great experience. And in and in conjunction with that, we also had a uh, radio auction with KNCO, and I was the chair of the. Uh, radio auction, and we would have uh, uh, members go out and ask for donations, the gift certificates for restaurants, and so on and so forth. And then we would be on the radio from 9 o'clock to noon, and people would call in and bid on items. 
and every hour the items would close. And the first year we did it, we raised $25,000, which was the most that the club had ever raised. And then we considered, we continued with that for about three or four years. And that in conjunction with being the uh, planning or the program chair gave me exposure and meeting uh, people, Brian Evans, uh, Judge Tom Anderson, Jennifer Singer, Heidi Hall. So a great cross-section of our community, which was extremely helpful when I decided to leave Rotary and join Community Beyond Violence, which at the time was DVSAC. And, and I was at... I was just going to say, tell me about that transition. I know, um, you know, Rotary, some people it will run its course or you've done what you could do there and you saw a different right. cause. Talk yes, about that absolutely. transition. Absolutely. Well, my wife is a very strong feminist. And in regards to the issue of, of women's rights, whether it be abortion or whether it be, um, you know, how should I say, how you treat a woman with respect, um, was, was very important in our marriage. And, and when I decided that I was done with Rotary, uh, I had two choices. One was uh, to join DVSAC at the time, or I believe uh, I was asked to join another nonprofit, but I decided to join DVSAC. And I was the first fundraising chair that uh, DVSAC ever had. So I was really excited about the opportunities I had to generate revenue. And one of the things we had at CBV was the Daddy Daughter Dance, which yes. we had for 12, 12 years, attendance of 550 at the Vets Hall, daddies and daughters uh, there to help create better relationships, closer relationships between fathers, daughters, uh, uncles, nieces, so on and so forth. And it was fantastic. And we had sponsors from Telestream on down the line. And the first year I joined, uh, we had raised $5,000. Uh, the last Daddy Daughter Dance we had, we had raised $30,000. And I considered that myself a great accomplishment because it would the number of uh, or the net gain for the prior daddy daughter dances was was minimal five six thousand dollars but they didn't have a fundraising chair right so the the position was was really really important and also getting the word out to the community it's not just you know the services we provide it's who we are and the people that are on the board of Community Beyond Violence currently, uh, along with all the 31 uh, staff members who are certified advocates, are all dedicated to the cause of keeping women safe. And when women are in need, we have a shelter, we have a 24-hour hotline, and, and I always love to go into the office and mix with the staff, say hello, not interfere, but just mix with mix with the staff so they got to know me. I'm not somewhat of a gregarious person. <laughs> a, a little talkative, Jeff. Yep, okay. Well, and I was just going to say that the one thing um, 
one thing is it's hard to say no to Jeff Wenzel when he asked you to do something. But I love how that you took those community connections that you made through volunteerism and having to find your way here yourself and find your place. And that you've now expanded that into really, although retired, one of the hardest working volunteers I've ever met, which we really appreciate community-wide. This is The Sages Among Us. I'm Holly Grimaldi-Flores, and my guest is Jeff Wenzel. And Jeff, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of that volunteering in this community and in these times. I know the Daddy-Daughter Dance had to take a hiatus because of the pandemic, and that you've moved on to some other fundraising opportunities, and uh, that you continue to work with Community Beyond Violence. Two things. One, the name change which I think really is self-encompassing. People understand it immediately. What was that process like? Or the why, well, I guess. It, well, the why was because we, <clears throat> DVSAC, number one, was a, a very awkward acronym. Even the, the police uh, couldn't pronounce it. It was DSABC, whatever. It was never... And also, it was a negative. It started out domestic violence. Okay, it was a negative. We decided that we needed to turn it, turn our agency's name into a positive, and we spent quite a bit of time looking at rebranding. And we came up with Community Beyond Violence. And uh, our, on our logo, we have a dove that is flying. What our goal is is to do more prevention. If there's more prevention, then we have to provide less services. And that is really the goal. So we're not only, I mean, dealing with uh, victims and survivors, we're going, we're, we uh, are going to schools and talking to students and we have programs for outreach. It's very, it's very important that everybody understand how serious of a problem domestic violence, sexual assault, and also I want to tie homelessness into it because homeless women are perfect victims uh, or, or sus sus suspect to, uh, you know, getting raped. Right. I mean, because, in fact, they, you know, they're in these homeless camps, and I tie that in, in together, and the homelessness is an, is an issue in this community that hopefully we're going to be able to find a way to to reduce the number of homeless people we have here. Well, I think the what's so nice about the education piece is that many people, kids, only recognize what they are exposed to. And for some, that is the norm. And so to have, first of all, men that are speaking out about what normal is and what healthy is, is uh, something that can't be replaced. And early education, I think, is key. So I'm so glad that the program has expanded beyond being reactive, but to being proactive. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing that was that was a, a benefit, my wife, Lynn, who is in business of professional women, they had a mentor program uh, where any um, survivor that has gone through the that uh, the the process of coming out of a shelter and, and, and gone through therapy, ready to look for a job, uh, my wife, Lynn, would connect, or I would connect, uh, Susan, who, who was the manager of the Staples store for oh, all the years we lived there. She just retired. 
she would she would interview these uh, potential candidates for a position. But before that, I was the one that would do the initial interview. The reason for that, because most of these women were obviously violated by men. So I was the first person to talk to him because I have a soft nature. And this is like a trial interview before they go for the real thing. Getting them comfortable with the idea of interviewed without being too intimidating because you're not that intimidating. I don't think. Pardon me? I don't find you intimidating, which is nice. No, I don't know. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. I'll tell Lynn. Lynn yeah, Moore I was going to say, maybe Lynn Moore. Um, so we're going to run out of time. We've got just about five minutes left. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the program as it's expanding into different directions. Uh, these last few years have been difficult in the community, divisive, uh, trying to bring it together. What would you like to see changed here in Nevada County if you could change anything easily? Or I guess well, even number, if it was too hard. Well, n- number one, I, I think, unfortunately, b- because of the pandemic, a divisiveness was created uh, that didn't exist. I mean, there was division, obviously, before. I mean, I'm not talking, oh, well, I don't want to get into politics. But all of, a, all of a sudden, there were issues. I mean, there were, there were protests. Um, you know, uh, you know, steel, what was it, steel? <laughs> Steal the lie, stop the lie, you know, people. Um, and that really bothers me. I would drive by the Safeway on Neal Street on a Saturday afternoon, and, and there would be negative things saying, being said about our, our current president. I've never seen that before in my life, anywhere. Uh, and what I would like to see is more of the community come together uh, up here. And I think the way to do that is, number one, we more diversity. I mean, we we are basically a, a white county. Uh, we need young people. Uh, we need, obviously, uh, more business, more businesses, uh, which will help, I think, bring up young people. But definitely minorities uh, are a priority. The problem is, is, you know, how do you get a minority to move up here? And uh, right. that's... It's going to have to take time. Right. Well, one of the things I find is events, music, performance, that sort of thing where we don't really need to know what our political beliefs are, but that we can be brought to be- together by listening to music, good orchestra, or art in any form. And I happen to know that there's something coming up this weekend that you wanted to talk about before we run out of time, and we only have a couple minutes left. Oh, my God, Holly. I never thought you were going to bring that up. My God. So... We have Saturday night. When I get excited, I get excited. This Saturday night, we're putting on the Vagina Monologues uh, at the Center for the Arts. And for those of you that are not familiar with it, uh, well, first of all, number one, I want to say we've already sold 250 tickets. 331, uh, Jeff. 331. As of now? Yep. Okay. I asked before I came on the air. That's good because it, when I saw Bryn at noon, it was 250. This is fantastic. I want to see a sellout, and we're getting support from uh, uh, Telestream as a big supporter, um, Cal Solar, uh, Michael Colantuno and his law firm is also supporting this, and uh, so we expect um, 
two. We're going to have we have ten speakers and just a uh, just a few of them. One of them is uh, yourself and uh, Shannon Moon, Hillary Hodge, my my wife Lynn Wenzel, and basically it's ten. We will have ten readers uh, reading the script, and it's funny. It's sad. It's informative, and I hope everybody will will come and enjoy it and donate to support Community Beyond Violence. And, of course, we just have one minute left, but I, and I know we're not supposed to do too much of a PSA, but I would say go to the centerforthearts.org to get tickets if you haven't already and uh, open up your mind. Jeff, I so appreciate the work that you do as a volunteer and everything that you've done for the community. You are tireless is one thing I would say in your efforts and uh, that you've picked a cause that really, uh, who doesn't have a mom, a sister, you know, a daughter. So it's really important to teach women what it is like to be in a healthy relationship. And I thank you for being a mentor there. Is there uh, in 30 seconds or less, actually 20 seconds? Nope. There's no time for you to say anything. (laughs) We're going to have to say goodnight to you, but I do want to thank you so much for being a sage among us.